Oh, God, thank you so much for this foundation upon which we can stand, God. That even when we don't know what you're up to, even when we don't understand it, it makes sense, God, when we think about it. Um, you, you are infinite. We are finite. There's going to be much that we do not understand. But God, even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand that you are sovereign, you are Lord, and you are working out your I want to say good, but it's really your great purposes, not just for us, not just for this time, but for every person for all time. You're working those things out before us. So God, grant us, would you, that mustard seed of faith today, no matter where we're coming from as we approach your scripture today, uh, grant us that mustard seed of faith to hear it to receive it, God, and then, uh, God, through the gift of your Holy Spirit, to put our weight down on it, to believe it. And God, as we gather here, we're just so mindful of the many situations that are peop- that each person here and those watching online and those living in the houses next door to us are experiencing, God, and those 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 trials, those tests, those temptations to, to somehow reconcile in our minds what, what only you can put together. God, thank you. Thank you that you are able and willing to provide for our physical needs. And God, we think of many. I'm thinking of Barb. I'm thinking of Jim. I'm thinking of many in our midst who are facing huge physical trials, God, but they're trusting you in the midst of it. Prove yourself glorious there, would you, God? I think also those who emotionally are just absolutely overwhelmed, God, and not sure if they can take another step. And not it's, it's not a physical thing now, God. It's a, it's a heart thing. And I just, I just pray your peace would wash over us would wash over our loved ones, God, that somehow you might grant that we could trust that you are still large and in charge. We could trust that you are going to provide for us. And then, God, I especially think of those who have been wrestling with spiritual truths and, and facing all kinds of opposition. They want so bad, God, to be able to believe and to Rejoices. They even saw many in our midst here rejoicing just a few moments ago, God, but, but yet have not been able to receive that gift. God, I pray that you would both give us the desire, and then, God, as we desire you, that you would grant us the gift of faith to believe that you are able and you are working and moving in our midst. God, I just thank you that you always provide for us everything we need. You even give us words to pray. God, when words won't come, but together we pray to you, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins 
as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, would you open the Word of God with me? Uh, There are some Bibles scattered, large print Bibles scattered throughout the pews. Looking forward to that day when those pews are filled again with Bibles and pencils and notepads and all kinds of things. But if you uh, access your Bible on your phones, if you would go first to our um, to the the book of First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, First Corinthians chapter 15, in just a couple minutes, uh, the script the screen will catch up with where I'm going to start. But I'm going to start just a couple of verses earlier than our screen here today. In First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives us some incredible truths. So we're going to pick it up in 1 Corinthians 15, 12, and, uh, and I invite you to follow along with me as I read. Now, Paul says, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, like we've been talking about the last three weeks, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Isn't this amazing? And your faith is in vain. Are you catching the impact of this? Everything is dependent on the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ. Whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep, there's that euphemism for died, in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only... We are of all people most to be pitied. But, there it is, beloved, but God, right? But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, Adam, right? By a man, Jesus, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. Verse 28, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all 
in all. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God, for your word that has power to transform. Continue to open our hearts, God, as we as we turn to this gospel, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now would you turn with me just to the gospel of John. Oh, again, good dear Fred, after all these weeks that we've been studying together, the gospel of John, chapter 11, chapter 11, the seventh sign. I'm going to pick it up at verse 1 of John chapter 11, but we're going to, our main part of our story begins in verse 17. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But watch this. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Wow. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I go to awaken him. About a third of the the, uh, stones in the cemetery behind the parking lot over here have RIP in them, right? What does that stand for? Rest in... Are they sleeping? No, it's the same euphemism in English that it is in Greek, right? It can mean either sleep or it can mean death, right? It's phenomenal to me that that, that still carries over even into our English language as well. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said, well, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, verse 17, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was not far from Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Martha went to meet him. But Mary remained seated at the house. 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that incredible? If you had been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I'm going to, I'm going to read this with inflection that is my inflection, not here in the scripture. I know, I know Jesus. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. I went to Sunday school, Jesus. I, I know that, right? And Jesus turned her world upside down. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Literally, it says, shall not die forever. Shall not die forever. And then he asked her a very hard question. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world, the very Word of God. Well, thank you, God. Thanks again for your Word, which, despite our physical, emotional, and spiritual circumstances, speaks directly to us. Give us, would you, God, give us ears to hear, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a privilege again to come to the seventh sign John pointed to, to to prove to people. John only had so limited a space to, to speak to us about the important things. These seven signs were what John, the, the Apostle John, thought were critical to understand who Jesus is. And, and together we come to this and say, where are we in the story? Where are we in the story? Every single one of us has had at some point to come to that place where we processed something. Do you remember the first, the first time the trauma of death hit you? Um, I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but but I wasn't a very good taker carer of goldfisher, right? When I was, yeah, I wasn't a very good speaker either. But but um, my, I remember my first goldfish, right? And I remember uh, how excited I was when I got that first thing, and and then and then I remember the water getting darker and darker in the goldfish bowl, right? And I remember. I remember the trauma of coming into my room one day and seeing the little goldfish upside down, right? And, and I'm not going to tell you what I did with the goldfish, but it had something to do with the porcelain facility. But I felt the weight. I felt the weight of that loss for the first time. Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea what would come in the days and years, decades to come, right? 
I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, I lost grandparents. I lost family. We had a lot of, I want to say tragedy, but it's not tragedy when, um, when there's a cause behind it, right? We had family members who were murdered. We had different, different um, experiences of, of, of loss. And little did I know that first goldfish, that that would be such a part of the story, right? Uh, that death would become such a part of the story. Now, I'm not sure, but that, that it's not exacerbated by our culture, which kind of sanitizes death. Am I making that up? You know, we, 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 we rush the, our dead off and, and they appear again as lifelike as they possibly can days later. And, and then we put them in a, many times in a, in a concrete thing with a hermetically sealed We've just sanitized all this thing. But, but death is a very real thing. Paul, we saw in Corinthians, said the last great enemy, right, is death. What, is, what were the other enemies? Well, we've seen them over and over again in our study of the Gospel of John. Sin is an enemy, amen? Right? Uh, the... Uh, the, the disciples and, and any follower of Jesus is going to be in a constant battle with that enemy of sin. And, and depending on where we are in that battle and the experience of God's grace, then, then disease is an enemy, right? I'm, I'm thinking of that literally, disease. Being not at ease is an enemy. And then, if, of course, if we're not at ease for a long enough time, then it actually is reflected in our physical bodies and and we face disease as well, and ultimately, yeah, phenomenal. There's always so much more in the story than we can go into, but phenomenal background. I'll just give you a tickler. Look up the name of what Bethany, the city that Lazarus was in, means. You'll find two answers. Look up both of those answers. What does the name Bethany mean? There's an incredible story there. But the Apostle Paul says the last great enemy is death. Now, when he says it that way, that, that implies, doesn't it, that, that the enemy can be overcome, that, that there is the possibility of victory even over death. Hold that thought for a second. And I just want to add my own thought to that just for a second. And with the enemy we call death, comes uh, uh, a sister or a brother, right? Uh, Grief. Grief. And in today's story, we see the battle with both, right? Jesus, who dearly loved, we're told, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, a messenger comes to him saying that Lazarus is sick unto death. This is, this is not just he's got a cold. This is, this is realizing, Jesus, if you don't do something, he is going to die. And, and we've seen over and over again, what did Jesus do when people come to him and say, I need healing, I need deliverance? What does he do? He heals them. He delivers them, right? And he doesn't do that. And he doesn't do that. And my guess is that, that many of you have been in that situation where, where you needed God to do something and he didn't do what you expected him to do, right? Maybe 
even it, maybe it was a surprise to you, but, but, but for many of us, we knew it was coming. Like Mary and Martha, we sent a message to Jesus and said, Jesus, my beloved is sick unto death, or I've lost my job, or my marriage is falling apart, or my children don't know you. We sent a message to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you don't do something, something terrible is going to be the result. So I know that you know what they faced. I know that you've, you've experienced that longing for the answer to come. You've watched for it. You looked out across the field. You longed for it to happen. And, and that's why the seventh sign is so important for us because sometimes it does not happen like we're asking God for it to be, right? And, and then... And then you go through all of that experience. Now, in their experience, it was probably one day of a death, of a visitation, and of a burial. Uh, in, in one day, you put him in the ground, and still, Jesus does not show his face. And into that long period of mourning, oftentimes a week or maybe even more. And, and in the midst of that, Jesus shows up. In the midst of that, Jesus comes. I don't want to read too much into the story, but it's fascinating to me to see the different responses that happen there. And I'm going to jump right to those responses because I think that they, they speak also to us. I want, and I want to add this, this, this component of not only the loss, the death, but also the grief that comes with it. Three responses to death and grief. It went by really fast as I was reading that story, but I want to kind of pull them out just for a second because I think the responses we see in the story are also responses that we can have. And I think by faith I'm believing that you also can choose how you're going to respond when God doesn't do what you expect Him to do. What's one possible response, right? It's the response that we see in the people at the funeral when, when Jesus comes and, 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 and they know the story. They know that Jesus touched the blind man and healed him, gave him vision. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? The first response is apparently could not or can't. God apparently can't do this, right? The people were saying, God can't do this. And, and that, that's a response that you could choose. Apparently, God can't do this. I've shared with you over and over again, I'm so fond of Psalm 62, right? Because the two great questions are, can God do something? Is he powerful enough to do something? And the second one is, is he willing to do it? And Psalm 62 says, yes, he can and he will. But those people there, those people there chose can't. God can't. But there was another response. And, and it's word for word, the response both of Martha first, and then her sister Mary. And I want to just note that Martha, 
the one who took so much heat in, what is that, Luke chapter 10, right? The one who didn't sit at the feet of Jesus, the one who complained about her sister Mary not helping with the dishes, Martha, who got a mild rebuke from Jesus um, that Mary has chosen what is better, right? There was no judgment or condemnation. Of course, there's people that have to, to do the dishes. There's people that have to do all the things that support life. Jesus is not rebuking her for that. He's just saying that, that don't lose in the details, Martha, the most important thing. Look what happens here. Look what happens here now. Martha, there's some Marthas out there. Fess up. Own up your hands. Don't make me call you out, okay? Hey, God bless you, Marthas. I don't know this. This is totally me, but I think we're seeing if there was anyone who would blame Martha in the Luke 10 story, that we're seeing the redemption of Martha. Martha goes to him. And Martha says exactly the same thing that Mary would say later. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, in fairness, I, I want to read into that, um, that, that, God, you still can do something, Jesus. But Martha had never seen somebody raised from the dead. There's at least two other clues in the remaining passage that say she did not she did not really expect that, that Lazarus was, was going to be raised from the dead. She just knew that if Jesus had been there, Lazarus would not have died. Right? Uh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will do whatever you ask. Wow. Wow. There's another possibility, not that God can't, like the people said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying, but God can, but he didn't, but he didn't, God can, but he didn't. Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again, right? Powerful truth. And, and forgive me for, for reading into the story earlier, but, but I cannot help but, but think that, that this is a woman who's deeply steeped in truth. She knows, and, and this was not a universal thing in Jesus' day, she knows that there is the resurrection of the day, and in the last day all those people of God would rise with him, right? And, and so she, she kind of says, yes, Jesus, I know in the last day he will rise again. In the last day he will be resurrected. And, and Jesus helps her. Uh, and, and for those of us like me, prone to doctrinal truth, not, I'm not diminishing that. And we need shortcuts to try and articulate who God is, what his nature and character is, I'm not diminishing that in any stretch of the imagination, but that's a whole... Doctrinal truths are very different from experiential truths, right? Doctrinal truths that somebody, one day we will rise from the dead, are different than the resurrection standing right in front of you. Now, we went back in time, right? Now we're before Jesus' own resurrection, but 
But resurrection is standing right there. Jesus doesn't say there will be a resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, yet shall he live again. And whoever lives, that's us, and believes in me shall not die forever. Shall not die forever. The Lord may come. I'm so tempted to say, Amen, come Lord Jesus, right? But my my heart knows the trauma that will be for those who do not know Jesus, right? So, so I find myself with difficulty saying, Amen, come Lord Jesus, because I've got people I love who do not know Jesus. And I want them to have every opportunity. I want you to have every opportunity to know Jesus, right? So I'm tempted to say, let it, let it, let it be true, right? But, but um, there's so much that must be done. And we are a part of that, beloved. We are a part of that. Later, uh, again, I don't want to read too much into Mary not coming. Um, but this one who over and over again sat at the feet of Jesus when no one else would, particularly no other woman would, when she sat there and became a disciple, a follower of Jesus at his feet, when now Jesus has come, she can't bring herself to go see. And finally Martha goes back. Martha goes back with this new insight. Resurrection is not a doctrinal truth. We will say it. We'll sing it at the end of our service today and next week before communion. We'll say it together. We'll say that doctrinal truth. But it's so much more than a doctrinal truth. It is a, it is a living reality. When she went back to tell Mary that Jesus was there, Mary came and said the same thing. Oh, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, my goodness. And, and Jesus wept. He wept. I love, I love you, Jesus, because you enter into my suffering. You know my hardship. You know my grief. And you choose, Jesus, to come into that place with me. I'm not alone in that place. You come with me. I love it. We saw it when he wept outside the city. This is the other time in Scripture when Jesus wept. Jesus entered into her suffering even though he knew what he would do in the next couple of minutes, right? So we have these responses. Some people, and, and it's just easier to reconcile in mind, I guess God can't do that, right? Others, I, God, I know that God can, but I'm faced with the reality before me that he didn't. There's another response, right? Not that God can, but he didn't, but that God is and he will. It's not something he does. Resurrection is something he is. I am. This is so beautiful, all you theologians out there, because the seven signs and the seven I am's come together in John 11, right? The seven signs and the seven times when Jesus says, I am this. Come together, and Jesus says, I am resurrection. 
And you know the rest of the story, don't you? He went to the tomb. He said, roll away the stone. I mean, this is, now we're on the front side of Easter, right? This is, this is phenomenal what he's doing. We saw in the Mount of Transfiguration that he gave them a picture of what resurrected bodies look like. Now he's given them a front row seat on the physical resurrection of a dead human being. Why is that important to us? Because one day that's going to happen for us. One day we are going to be physically resurrected, excuse me, physically resurrected as well. By the way, everyone will be physically resurrected. That is not the issue. The issue is what will you be resurrected to? Eternal life or eternal separation from God? So there's a critical question right here, right? A critical question. What do you believe? What do you believe? Do you remember at the end of John 20, we started with this and we began the series how many weeks ago, 14 weeks ago, whatever it was. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Come on up, worship team, if you would. So when Martha came to that place where she was able, where Jesus asked her, what do you believe? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the the world. There's a lot going on in that sentence, but let me just parse it out just briefly for you for just a second. Jesus is asking us, at the end of all these weeks, of seeing the same signs that his followers, the same signs that the people in that first century saw. Jesus is asking us, what do you believe? I believe that Jesus, first of all, is Lord. That he is sovereign over life and death and everything in between. If he does not act in the way that we expect it's because he's got something better for us, something that will bring him glory and that will be better for us. Translate back to Lazarus. Jesus would be seen as the resurrection of the life by raising Lazarus from the dead. But it was pretty good for Lazarus too, wasn't it? It was very good for Mary and Martha and for those of you still, me too, struggling with grief, right? We know this truth. (laughs) We know this truth. Our beloved will rise again. It's as certain, it is as certain as Lazarus' resurrection. We believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe also, Mary helps us, we believe also that Jesus is the Christ, the prophesied one, the one who would give his life in place of ours so that our sin would be nailed to the cross and that we identifying with him on the cross and his death and his burial would also be resurrected with him as well. There was one person who could do that in Hebrew, Messiah in Greek, Christ, that I believe that Jesus is the Christ. But Martha went so much further. Martha said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? The Son of God. And 
If you've not been with us, we explored that together. To say someone is the son of one is to say that they are like them. I'm the son of Lawrence Bernard Mills. I am like him. And, and, and this is really funny. I'm really starting to look like him. <laughs> At one point, I got my extra set of glasses out. I put them on my dad, and we'd kind of side by side. and go, yep, yep. The nut doesn't fall very far from the tree, right? But this is so much more powerful in Scripture. When it says Jesus is the Son of God, it is... And they understood it, and we understand it is saying that he is God. Jesus is God. I believe that he was raised from the dead to validate everything that he said and did. I believe that Jesus Christ, it's so so powerful that Martha saw all these things right then, right there. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, right? That he's coming again. And beloved, that changes everything. That changes everything. We can endure anything because Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he comes again, the dead in Christ will be raised first, Paul said. Right? And we will join them. If we're still alive, we will join them in the air. Christ is coming again. But let me add one. Go back with me just for one last minute to Martha. What is she going to do with this news, right? She knew her sister was still broken. She knew that other people were mourning the death of someone who was going to be raised from the dead, right? She went back and got Mary. Who is it that God is putting in your life who needs to hear the news, right? Who needs to be told the news. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. David, what's the next word? Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. I don't... I don't mean to play with your emotions, but it's really important where you are in the story, right? Because it's really easy with a crowd to say, I guess God just can't do this, right? It's really easy with Martha to say, I'm just going to stay with those, or excuse me, with Mary. I'm just going to stay with those who, who are grieving with me. I'm going I'm to grieve, right? Don't misunderstand me. Grief is the cost of love. Grief is a part of death. But Christ has broken the power of death. You can choose today to believe. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit, which prompts us, which helps us to discern, is this true or is this not true? Has Christ risen from the dead or has he not risen from the dead? Has Christ broken the power of sin, disease, and death over me? Or am I forever condemned to live in it? Oh God, even now, even now, meet us in this place. Speak to us of eternal truths.